all my whole life is pretty much is the bonus round because my hand surgeon said I would never play drums again. Do you ever feel like you're stuck in the rat race? Deep inside, you know that you're capable of so much more. You dream of breaking the chains of your nine to five and starting your own business. But how can you do it? That's the big question. This podcast is here to give you the answers. Join me for a behind the scenes view of the ups and downs as I build my online business from scratch. My name is Paxton Hare and welcome to Escape 925. Today's guest is Vinny Ranazizi. Vinny is a grocery buyer at a health food store who plays drums in three different bands and writes screenplays, some of which are in development. Hey, Vinny, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk. Yeah. So we're actually linked through family, friends. It's kind of weird. Like my wife's family and your family are like super close, almost like like where your mom's probably called her aunt or, you know. That, that right. kind of level. And we've actually never met. However, uh, I knew that I wanted to talk to you for a while now because you have written a screenplay called Copper Kings. It's one of like about six to eight screenplays that I've uh, <clears throat> almost taken to completion. Um, it's a project I've been working on with a writing partner of mine, probably about six and a half, seven years. Wow. Uh, he, he came up with the idea of telling, telling the story about uh, these miners who entomb themselves in Butte, uh, Montana, in one of the mines down there, one of the biggest copper mines in the world. Um, but Butte itself has a rich history. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. 100,000 people lived there about a, year, a century ago, and now there's only 35,000. And so there's like a, it, was a, it was a one of the wealthiest cities in the world for a while, a lot more than most millionaires per capita back in the you know 19th century, turn of the century, you know. The fascinating, rich history just inspired us to put together our own uh, historical fiction uh, series, basically. We're thinking about making it a feature-length film, but then there was just too much history to tell, too many cool stories to tell. So we created a couple of our own characters and put them in in a universe of that time period, Butte, 1890s to pretty much 1920s, and told like a, it's kind of like a sweeping generational long form narrative, I guess you would say, uh, as opposed to just episodic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of long winded answer, but <laughs> now is that, um, has it been picked up by someone? Uh, an friend of a, a local person here in Montana optioned the script about a year and a half ago. And he and I are working closely with another gentleman, Dustin, uh, Mike. So Michael and Dustin and I are formed a production company to, uh, reach out and try to get development of capital. And we've had some, we have some interest in a while for a while right now. And uh, things are kind of hitting the brakes because of the, uh, the economic downturn, but we're still out there trying to uh, get people interested in the project. And we do have some investors that we're setting the meetings with currently. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so are you thinking something like maybe like a Netflix or something where they, where they can, you know, green light uh, a lot of episodes? Is that, is that the idea? Yeah. Getting it, um, like a series order, you would call it. Yeah. Um, not necessarily having to make a pilot. Like, like the, traditionally people make a pilot and then the pilot gets picked up and then they have a series. Sometimes you might see different actors from the pilot in the series. Uh, but in this case, a lot of stuff happening right nowadays, cause there's a lot of content out there and people are um, fighting for this content is uh, just getting series orders. So like say they pick up six or eight or 10 episodes. Uh, and that, and that is kind of what we're looking at right now. That in, in essence, in, 
couple months ago, I cranked out three more of the episodes. So I have half of season one with me and my writing partner and my editors uh, worked out four episodes written. They're like 50 pages each. And so going, taking that to um, any interested distributors or buyers, it, it's going to help them project the budget to see what kind of offer they can make. And so, yeah, we're hoping for a series order. It'd be the best route for the content that we have. Now, are you, um, are you experienced in this whole process or is this, is this kind of all new to you? Oh man, this is all, all way new to me. Uh, you know, I was an old science teacher, you know, almost 20 years ago. And then I've rolled sushi, worked in politics. Um, and I worked at the health food store and then I was touring with my bands and, and then I'm still in three, three or four bands. And, and then, um, now I'm circled back, worked at a brewery and now I'm back at the health food store being a grocery buyer again. So yeah, things kind of gone full circle for me. I'm, it's like a lot of people up in Montana, we have several jobs each, uh, just trying to make it work. And screenwriting has always been a passion of mine. My writing partner, um, who owns a coffee company in, in Missoula, he and I, have uh, been working together for about, 18 years you know not actively all those years but we know we first put together our first concept in 2003 2004 and then uh you know started working on other projects separately he's also a writer on his own separate from me and he's a travel photographer and he runs a coffee company so he's a super busy guy but we've worked together on several projects and so we've been i he was more of the writer uh the punch and keys guy back in the day and I was more like a conceptual guy, but I started punching keys and uh, started doing the script writing on my own probably like 10, 15 years ago. Uh, my father-in-law was a screen, was a script writer for Hollywood on TV shows, you know, Falcon's Crest, Falcon Crest, Murder, She Wrote. Oh, cool. TJ Hooker, uh, Man from Uncle, Bonanza, Gunsmoke. I mean, his IMDb page is just ridiculous. And so as a member of the Writers Guild, um, he would get just stacks of script scripts sent to him um every year for awards like so he'll get like you know like a uh, mud or interstellar or all these scripts you know like that just get sent to him all the time for review as well as movies so we have a rich rich uh video library up at up, at, up on our property up in montana uh, it's amazing and so i started reading a lot of books about screenwriting um studying it because i think anytime you want to approach something you want to study it beforehand read some books about that. And then I actually read these scripts from these writers, these screenwriters, mm -hmm. and uh, started noticing that there's a lot of uh, science to the screenwriting on the formula of the formatting and all that. But there's also a lot of stylistic stuff that happens from if you're an auteur or if you're just more of a writer, there's different ways you're going to approach the script screenwriting process. So it was great. And telling a story is a whole different thing than writing the script. Uh, you want to be able to do both well and studying story and story development something that both uh my wife and i are very interested in and she's got a lot of books about it um so yeah you want to get your story straight and then if you get your story straight you got to learn how to write and format the scripting and that is just kind of like a science thing so formula thing and so having my science background i thought that it was pretty easy to approach and get and get quite good at that you know i still want to be able to tell a great story though that's always gonna be a life struggle right yeah so um, I, I have some experience with with screenwriting uh, in the sense that I've, I've written 
a screenplay with a friend before it didn't go anywhere it was it was garbage i, I would probably be ashamed of it now but um i, I, got I read a couple it. of those <laughs> <laughs> i uh I haven't stuck with it, but I used to do indie films in college. So like when, when I heard that you were doing this, I'm like, I want to talk to this guy because this is awesome. And, uh, and so I'm curious, like some of the, you mentioned books, like I know I'm familiar with like the Save the Cat series and um, yeah, it, uh, read those. Writer's Journey by uh, is it Chris Vogler, I think maybe. Um, just curious what, what your favorite is. You know, like a lot of people will say in the screenwriting industry, uh, Sid Field's book, um, you know, and then the, about screenwriting and his, he's had a long, rich career in Hollywood. Um, and yeah, like the save the cat book was pretty, pretty amazing. And just, I think I'm trying to remember one of the other, other books that my wife's got a, about a dozen of them about, about writing stories. She's also, she's my editor. So she's helped <laughs> me edit all my screenplay. She's got a tremendous uh, grasp of uh, grammar and whatnot. And so she helps me out a lot with that. And she's also a, writer herself she's wanting to get into things like that she's helped me out with a lot of stories with uh, the copper king she's helped me out a lot with that too but no i mean i can't remember I, i'm trying to coming to bring things up offhand but like yeah. you know i probably read like 15 to 20 of those scripts that were sent to my father-in-law and mm -hmm. those were i think pretty pretty valuable to see the, the different styles people have yeah I, I know when i was doing this the screenwriting i think it's like 2007 is the last time i wrote one and when when i was doing that i went on the internet and i was able to find a lot of uh, scripts out there for, for popular movies at the time. I remember it was like one I read was Hurt Locker and uh, there's a couple other ones and I just went through and, and just read them. And it gives you a really good appreciation for how these things are structured, like like you were saying, and then also just how they tell the story because it's completely different than if you were writing a book or something. It's it's like almost uh, just- Totally different. Get being, you know, writing prose and trying to put together a novel, man, I, I don't think I can really, I don't think I could do that. It's just intense. I, I love reading them. Um, they're amazing, but yeah, I think it's a little more, it's a little easier to paint the picture on the script than it is to try to write a novel. My goodness. I don't think I can do <laughs> Yeah. Well, and another thing I'd heard was that when people pick them up to make the actual movies that they don't want you to have like a description of every possible thing because they want the the director or like the creative team right is going to fill in those blanks themselves with their vision and so absolutely yeah. and i try to write like that too thinking about that you know i don't want to like over describe something and i have that was one of the critiques i got um when i entered the uh we were a finalist in the, in the script contest last year with our copper kings pilot script um and then one of the criticisms i got was i was a little too descriptive on some things and i appreciated that i took it at the heart and i did a did a new edit of the script and I made it a lot tighter with the feedback that I got from that contest. That's awesome. Is that just like a, is that a local contest or? Yeah, it was in Butte. Uh, Butte has a f film festival, the Kovalei International Film Festival. And, um, well, I reached out, or an actor guy, I ran to an actor guy after a gig one time and he told me to enter the, enter the contest and I entered the contest and, you know, we, I guess, finished second or third place. I don't know what it was. There was just three scripts in the finals or four scripts. That's awesome. But the, yeah, the lady who won had entered a bunch of contests and, and not won. So and she won. So I was, I was stoked for her. This was <laughs> just my first contest. Another right. contest I entered with, I wrote another script uh, January and I entered it in a different contest. Uh, we got semifinalists for that script too. So it's been cool just to have a lot of different projects and try to enter these contests and try to have fun with it. Yeah. Well, and, and I've, I've heard that um, much like anything in life, the first couple you do are going to suck. So you want to get them out of your system so you can get to the good stuff. Man, no doubt. I, I, 
you know, I wrote a script, one of the first I wrote by myself, and I went and I read, went back and read it, and I wasn't too excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, it has some potential, but it definitely it's not good. So it's good to know and be a, and be a critic of yourself and not be too, you know, self-involved with how great you might think what you're doing is. Right. Yep. Well, and and, and probably to get other people to give you some feedback too, and not just like you know your your cousin or your mom or whatever. Like you, you want someone that's like you know more. I don't. Know, I mean, like you have. Well, thank God, my father. my wife's my wife is not that person. She's very realistic with the, the feedback yeah. she gives me, and it's often really great. And it, it actually has, has helped um, improve the Copper King storyline. So it's she's part of the writing team, and it's it's uh, great to have that immediate feedback. You know right in the room with me and I can just have her not only is she editing things, but she's helping coming up with story ideas. Right. Uh, earlier you had mentioned that your writing partner owns a coffee shop or I mean, um, did you say coffee shop or it's a roasting company, a roasting company, but he's in, in Missouri and does he live there? Oh, oh no, that's Missoula. That's like two hours, two and a half hours. Oh, south oh Missouri. I'm sorry. I thought <laughs> that's awesome. Missouri. Yeah. Missouri. That's where I met my wife about 20 years ago in Missoula. That's where Missoula. I met him. Yeah, so my <laughs> ignorance of Montana's uh, um, geography just came out there. Well, ironically, someone that, or funnily, someone that had put in this the other day was like swapped Missouri and Montana on the map because they didn't know where Montana was. So it's like hilarious. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I used to live in New Mexico for a while and I got a bunch of junk where people were like, you live in, in Mexico or like, Wait, no, you have to be in the United States. And I'm like, dude, it's New Mexico. Come on. Like, this is bad. Yeah, I know. Some people think Central America is, is Nebraska. So yeah, there's <laughs> some geographical struggles in our country. Uh, of course there are. Um, so, okay. So he's close by. So you're not like having, I mean, do you, I was, what I was going with that was, do you guys write in person or did you before this nonsense? And uh, yeah, he, he, come, he comes up to my house. Um, he actually wrote a story that's based on the property that I live on. We live on this uh, 100 year old homestead up in the mountains. He loves coming up there. So it's not hard to entice him to come up for the visit. Um, but I do go down to Missoula, too, because I, you know, I, I, my bands sometimes play down there. And so we'll, we'll meet or I might go down there to see a band or or go down there for, just to get away from Whitefish for the night with some friends of mine up here. Right. So I often see we see each other multiple times a year. Um, but he usually travels for about five to six weeks with his family somewhere in South America or Asia. So he has gone for a while sometimes. Not to be confused with New Mexico. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> you mentioned that you're in several bands. Um, obviously, I'm assuming that's been impacted by COVID and that you're probably not playing right now. <laughs> no, we are not. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me a little bit about how COVID has impacted you and, and all the things that you, you, you like to do. Well, uh, let's all the bands are, you know, are <laughs> all their gigs got canceled for a while. We're trying to figure out what's going on with the summer and the restaurants, which I, I've played a lot of restaurants and feel so bad. For, I, and I've worked in a lot of restaurants and I feel so bad for the people there and the owners the, a lot of them are going to take a taking a bath right now. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they're, if they're going to have discretionary spending for music and they've all been so supportive throughout the years that I'm very thankful for that. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. Um, so I got a truck coming by. That's <laughs> cement truck. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to thin down with their music. And so, but we also have a lot of wedding, weddings booked. And so I'm kind of curious to see what happens with that. And then we have a lot of club dates with our nine piece funk band that 
like 300 sweaty people dancing together doesn't seem like a, <laughs> a realistic thing anymore. Uh, right. So we're, we talked about, we've been hanging out, having some small get togethers and we talk about this a lot. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's unfortunate. Uh, you got to make the most of it personally. And I've been doing a lot of writing and still practicing on my own. Um, thankfully, I have I had my job, my part-time job at the grocery store, and now they're asking me to work full-time. And so I've been working, I've been pretty much working nonstop since the COVID hit. And so and now I'm working even more um, at, at the store. And so I had to work less at the store because I was gigging so much, but now I probably will not be doing like 55 shows this summer, which is great on one level because I can go out and go rafting and go canoeing and go hiking on the property and do all the fun things that you have to like rush to squeeze in when you're gigging all the time. And so now I'm going to have a lot more nights free and uh, me and my wife are also starting a rental cabins on the property. And so we're still trying to, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff to do on this 300 acre ranch that I live on. It's every time I turn around, there's something to do. And so I'll, I'm definitely going to be keeping busy doing like home improvement stuff. Uh, we're going to make some raised garden beds. So I'm, I'm taking it with taking it for what it is and just trying to be optimistic about life. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, you know, just listening to you, you talking here, it's it's uh, obvious to me, and, and I've already known this, you know, because of, uh, of how I know you, but uh, you are pretty much like trying to live your best life at all times because you're not a slave to the corporate nine to five. You're kind of just doing whatever you want. I mean, obviously, you're you're playing in multiple bands, you're writing screenplays, you're starting rental properties on your on your acreage. I mean, it's it sounds like uh, like you're just kind of living. A great life. Yeah, I'm. I'm very fortunate, uh, and I think, and I'm thankful about it every day. Um, there's no doubt about it. Every time I drive the half an hour into Whitefish for work, I I'm very thankful for it. And I'm also thankful that you know, I mean, my wife's parents are on their second marriage each, so he's just turned 91, and you know, she's like 83, um, 84, and so we are are we're there for them, and it's kind of a we care about them a lot, but it's kind of a definitely kind of a convenient excuse to be living this life that we live. Um, I worked at the ski resort for five years and snowboarded a bunch. And so I've, yeah, there's a lot of fun things to do. I ski off my deck and I ride my bike every day. I'm, I'm very lucky. I have an awesome life. It's pretty great. You know, can't, yeah. can't ask for anything better. We got a great <laughs> wife, great life. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, so let's, let's go back to Copper Kings for a minute. So you're, um, you know, you mentioned that you you're not familiar with this process before, uh, and you know you're you're trying to get this thing picked up. Um, have you found mentors or people that are helping you? I mean, you, you talked about investors. I assume you have people helping you through this process to understand what the heck's actually going on. Yeah, we uh, a couple of us the, from the skill set that the three of us have in our in a little production company. We have kind of have a lot of those bases. Um, kind of cover so people will be reaching out to people like that like the film commissioner allison whitmer has been very helpful and she has a tighter relationship with like those two guys in the production company like i'm I, i'm not really like the uh like the point man for a lot of the dealings and stuff like that i'm i'm like the development director basically um so these the other two guys are doing more of the reaching out and in, in the context and maintaining those contacts with the people that are interested in the project um and Allison's helped us set us up with those people. You know, right now we're just trying to, we are, have a couple of different projects in development. And so one of them was an animated, is an animated concept. And so we're trying to push that right now because you can kind of maybe start working 
getting that in development with social distancing because it doesn't require actors to be on a set and to have yeah. a crew there. And so we're trying to like, we're trying to have like a, a multi-pronged attack of, of what we're trying to do at the same time. And um, yeah, getting guidance from other people in the industry is very helpful. And so I'm thankful that the guys in my production company have those connections and are able to uh, work those and angles for me. So do you think that if we weren't in the middle of this COVID outbreak that you might have uh, been farther along with getting this thing developed? I think we might be a little farther along. Yeah. Um, we might be able to be reaching out to investors a little more actively. Uh, right now it feels like a, it's a big contraction in, in the, in, in the industry with the money that might be spent uh, just from an investor side of side of things. Um, so we're looking at all kinds of different ways to get money. Uh, and thankfully Dustin is, it has a good angle on those things and he's the one trying to, establish those and we have some contacts up locally here in whitefish that we are going to reach out to again um we're just kind of we're just kind of waiting to see how this next couple of months worked out and because we were going to have like a big meeting with all these people and then it just didn't seem right to put everyone in the room together when everyone started getting sick so yeah you know i'm just take, taking this like little cushion of a couple of months to just some self-improvement and do a lot of reading and watching movies and writing which is my favorite things to do nowadays it seems yeah, that's great. I mean, that's what better use of your time than to improve your skills. Yeah. So what do you think has been, I guess, the biggest challenge with writing a screenplay and getting it in the hands of people? What would you say is the hardest part? Um, hardest, well, there's a lot of people trying to do the same thing as you. So that's, you know, that's already from having your toes in the water of the industry. Um, and a lot of people aren't going to take like first time writers seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, even though I'm on like my 15th edit and I've been working on this for six and a half years. So I think that <clears throat> that level of credibility, you know, I've read like 35 books. I've been hours of research on the internet, uh, lots of studying. Um, that credibility has actually helped me get people in the, uh, get the script in, in the hands of people. And everyone who's read it, it really likes it. So it's really just about finding, finding some money at this point, trying to get the investors involved and just get through this little economic, I don't mean, it may turn into a, may turn, make it a lot bigger and worse than anyone thinks, or it might get better really quick. So I'm just kind of like feeling things out and, and uh, just kind of this, Taking it from there, it's kind of it's kind of hard to say what's going to happen, but we're gonna, we're going to start ramping up here. I think in the summertime and fall with trying to get things going again. Gotcha. Financially, and, and so Copper Kings is is obviously your your primary focus right now. And you'd mentioned that you wrote another script, I think, back in January. What? Um, yeah. Are you planning on trying these other scripts to do something similar? I was just thinking about that on the way in um, about emailing. Uh, I've emailed Michael. Uh, one of my that script but i haven't emailed it to dustin so i want to give my other partner a look at it but yeah it's actually probably the most hollywood-esque thing i've ever written um my nephew and i nick he's like 27 28 he lives in ohio but he spends he spent all his summers out here in montana we have a really strong connection um and we have a he's been following me the whole time i've been writing copper kings and he's very interested in film and he's done his own like uh films with his buddies and stuff but he's interested in writing and he had an idea about a wedding band that played at this art museum and that uh that they're 
got involved in a art heist from this museum. So we wrote this, uh, it's like a hundred, hundred page script. Uh, it's pretty fun. It's called take five. It's about a, a jazz five piece jazz combo that gets involved with this art curator who discovers that these long lost, uh, paintings from the Nazi Herman Goring's collection. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty funny script, but it's very Hollywood. It's kind of like Ocean's Eleven meets Thomas Crown, gotcha. kind of meets uh, meets a j- meets jazz. It's an homage, it's an homage to uh, jazz, jazz music, and uh, it's very fun. It's, it's a very fun script. It takes place in the early '80s too. It's an uh, art heist period piece. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we wrote it. I wrote it. We wrote it in like ten days. It was awesome. We were just like hammering it back and forth, and uh, I, was, I was sending him PDFs, and he was sending me edits, and. He was coming up with ideas, and I was coming up with ideas, and then I was like, "Is this crazy?" He goes, "No, this is perfect." And so we we cranked that out, and we we're entering that one. And so I think that one has a lot of fun and Hollywood potential. Uh, either I don't know what's going to happen to the box office, but at at home, it's just another good 90, 95 minute film. It's fun. Uh, it's got a little love interest in there, a little romance. That uh, <laughs> here comes a cement truck again. Sorry about that. Oh, no worries. Whitefish is still the construction boom is still going on. They haven't, they haven't stopped. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, that that script was, was was really fun. So we're trying that. We got a we we were a semifinalist in another in a script contest here locally, and so that was that was good to get good feedback. And yeah, we we did a bunch of edits on that. And it feels pretty good with that. So yeah, I'm hoping that that we can pitch that one too and just start developing all the different content that we've got. Yeah, that makes sense. That you had mentioned that your uh, your father in law has a history obviously as a screenwriter uh have you leveraged that at all to i mean or i, I don't know how the hell current he is if he's 91 years old and how his connections are yeah, in the he, <laughs> he uh retired in like 86 um uh, and went up to montana that's how he got the property that we live on um so yeah i don't he doesn't really have any connections for me to exploit right now or any agents or anything and uh and that's fine with me i mean that kind of makes it even worthy of the challenge right um so yeah, it's, it, his his help came from having all those scripts around. He actually gave me a, an edit, uh, a review, or like a little, he read through it and gave me some feedback. So I've been able to have have him involved a little bit in the process. And yeah, I mean, I, really, I don't really think he has any, he doesn't have any connections I can use. And that's okay. I'm all right with that. Well, you know, it's just pretty awesome to me that you can have a conversation about this stuff with your father-in-law and have him read over your script and give you feedback on it and not laugh at you or say, uh, you know, get a real job zone or whatever, because I think most people's father-in-laws are not, not, uh, in the similar industry like that. So it's a, it's a unique relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have, I really get along really well with my uh, in-laws. Um, and from that angle, he's definitely having around. He's got a, he reads a lot. He's got a really good idea, idea for a story, but I think he really dislikes me because I uh, help him harvest harvest deer off the property <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'll get his i'll get his deer and drag him for him and everything and i think he really just likes me because i do that <laughs> that's funny <laughs> well yeah i guess at 91 years old that's not something you want to go out there and try to do yourself no he still goes out hunting and stuff and you know i'm over there hunting myself and then i'll i can I hear a gunshot i'm like oh that's him off the deck i better walk back and so yeah so it's pretty fun <laughs> yeah it, you know that the lifestyle you're living is is completely foreign to me because I'm living in a neighborhood. I'm in Florida. I'm working for a corporate company. It's uh, it's quite a difference there. Yeah, I live a very uh, romantic, idyllic, idyllic life, man. I'm very like I just walk out my door with my rifle and go sit in my tree stand and 
you know, I just, just, it's beautiful out there. The nearest neighbors are a mile away. I'm very lucky. I can't really, can't really say any more than that. Now, what took you out to Montana in the first place? Right. Well, when I was living in San Diego with my brother, um, man, it was hard to get a job down there. Like I had a degree from university of Virginia and I had a worked at the Olive Garden after graduating. I couldn't even get a job at the freaking Olive Garden in San Diego, or I couldn't get a job at a bagel shop. It was ridiculous. I was wow. had a real hard time getting a job. And we got a job and well, I used a utility forester with a couple of, made some friends with them. And then I asked San Diego gas and electric, uh, they lost the contract. And, um, so we all got laid off and they're like, he had spent a summer in Missoula, Montana, where am I? And then, uh, he's like, we're going, I'm, I'm going to move there. So I'm like, all right, jumped in his U-Haul and, uh, put all my crap in his U-Haul me. And then I drove up to Montana all myself, 99. And then, um, yeah, cause my brother, I lived in Bozeman he's like, go to Montana, you know, we're having fun living together, but it was just so hard to get a job. It was so expensive and it's just. It was killing us. My brother was, I was delivering phone books. My brother was peeling shrimp. It was like, it was a low moment for the Ranazizi family out there in SoCal. He's got it pretty good right now though. Um, but I, you know, I just, I couldn't get, I had to get out of there. I wanted to snowboard too. And then I met my wife in the fall of that year at a litigation services company. We were coding documents for these, uh, all these lawsuits and stuff that were happening. And then we got laid off together at that couple months later. And then we went on a big two week road trip and fell in love. And then, uh, I convinced her to move back to DC for a couple of years. And when I was a science teacher, yeah. and then, uh, and then the guy who was caretaking on the property had, was in this, like a uh, cabin on the property. It's kind of a ramshackle where I live right now, kind of a ramshackle, goofy, awesome cabin by the river. And, uh, he left that. And so we just slid right into that. And then we're just out there on the property helping out. Yeah. So that's, that's quite a story. I mean, that, that's, uh, you know, the fact that you, you've probably worked more jobs than anyone I've ever met. I have worked a ton of jobs. I have like a friend of mine who's like, I've only, he's only done HVAC his entire life. And I'm like, oh my God, are you serious, man? I've been a lifeguard, a receptionist, clean sewers, you know, uh, litigation services, high school teacher, drug, <laughs> ski resort. I'm like, wow, this guy has worked HVAC his whole life. It just cracked me up, man. Wow. Anyway. But yeah, I've worked a lot of different jobs. It's provided a great, it's been provided a great, uh, actually great experience for writing. You can believe that. Oh yeah. I mean, the more life experience you have, the more stuff you have to write about. I feel like that was right. one of the issues I was having when trying to write is that I'd worked at a corporate computing job for however many years. And it's like, how much life experience do I really have? But Yeah, you know, you can try to like, you can try to, you know, get that escapism through writing and get some influences through writing if you don't have those life experiences. But yeah, you know, you're right. It's good to be critical of yourself and try to think that way. Yeah. So if, uh, if you had any advice to give to someone who wanted to get into screenwriting, what would that be? Yeah. I was saying kind of the same thing that you were saying earlier, circling back is just like reading other people's scripts and, you know, seeing what kind of vision do you have? Are you, do you think, are you an art writer director? Are you just a writer? Because like, you know, like Darren Aronofsky, the way he writes a script, he's the director and the writer, you know, he's writing it and it's going to be writing it different than if you're just writing it uh, as a writer, you're the auteur, you're looking at, at camera angles, you know, you're looking at panning, you're looking at all these different things that are important for you when you're directing it because you're the writer. Yeah. So I think that, you know, just trying to find, trying to find out what you are kind of developing your own style, I think is kind of important. And I don't think that, I think there's some bad advice out there. Some people are like, oh, you should only stay, stick to one genre and just try to master that one genre. And, you know, I don't think that's, 
good advice either. I think it's just write whatever you're feeling to write. Um, and I would say, for, most importantly, have like, you know, your note cards. And for me, it was an outline. Like I did, I did a 50 page outline, a uh, single space outline for Copper Kings. I did that first. And then I, you know, did more research and put more notes in there. And then I started writing. Yeah, a lot of people do the note card, the note card, note card thing. And I think that's very effective uh, if you're doing like a feature length script. But this was like a, I was, I initially had wrote 500 pages of Copper Kings. And so I couldn't really like turn that into just note cards. So <laughs> I think one of the, the big things of advice that I got from that Save the Cat book was that you definitely want to have that outline. And I think he has a kind of like a, he calls it the beat sheet or something, some way to like distill it down into super high level things and put them up on note cards. And then uh, those eventually. beat sheets are amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it really, it really makes you start thinking about the structure of a story. And, you know, before I read any of that stuff, I know that you thought, oh, yeah, you just write a bunch of stuff down. And then you find out that, well, pretty much all story is told with a certain structure. At least the good stuff is. Yeah. And, and I've heard, you know, like some people are like, well, that's that's like, you know, cop out, selling out, whatever, because you're like, it's all formulaic garbage or whatever. But, you know, it's really not because. The, uh, the, we're as humans, we've adapted to, I guess, this structure resonates with us. And when you hear a story that's not told in the appropriate structure, it doesn't feel right. And you don't connect with it as well. So it, I, I mean, I agree hundred percent with that. Actually, I think, I think a lot of people are saying that we'll, we'll say that to follow the formula is garbage. I think they're a small minority because I think a lot, a lot of what you're saying is true with the, the way that the, uh, audience the rhythm of the movie resonates with the audience. And it, there's no doubt that that's, there's obvious truth to that. Um, a lot of people like the five act. Some people like the three act. Uh, yeah. Having like a 12 to 15 point beat sheet is a, uh, is to me, I think is, is very essential. Uh, mm -hmm. And that, I'm also using that to write a couple other scripts that I'm working on with other partners right now. They're working on getting the beats, beat sheets together for, for those scripts. And then we're going to start writing it. So yeah, it's almost like a different process. You don't have to have the same rigid process you have every time you're doing with someone. I personally like working with partners and I've written some stuff on my own, but I, I do love working with partners and trying to employ them and empower them in your partnership is, is something that I like to do. And so in this case, one of them is a horror movie with my nephew and he's working on the beat sheet for that. And the other one's like an indie noir drama. And I have another friend of mine who's working on a beat sheet for that. And so just taking, uh, I think just taking the different approaches reading all you can, reading books, getting advice and uh, keeping an open mind throughout the whole process because, and then another thing I took, with, which I thought was, was amazing, was uh, one of these great courses me and my wife watched about writing and uh, taking, it, it was about like writing novels um, as well. And, and he, he did little ways to adapt that to screenplays. So I think to studying novels too, and not studying the story, I think is, is, and how you want to tell your story within, you know, the framework that you choose, albeit if you choose some alternate way to tell it, it's better be a damn good story and it better be told good or else you, I mean, if you're not Quentin Tarantino, someone trying to do that just doesn't come off that well. Right. Yeah, definitely. You just said that you prefer writing with partners. Well, what about partners is it that you, that you prefer? Well, I don't think my brain's a hundred percent, awesome or has all the all the answers that has all the ideas and you know i think a lot of people have experiences in their life as like we talked about earlier that can that they can bring to the table 
and they also have influence that I may not have that they can bring to the table. Um, and they also have another set of eyes on what you're writing and they can look, help look for redundancies and, uh, and, and inaccuracies and plot holes and, you know, cause those kind of things drive me crazy, like mm-hmm. plot holes and just not thought out scripts and whatnot. Right. And then, and then it's fun, you know, sitting around having a drink or two and doing what you're doing and talking about the story. And then just finding the way you want to divide up the work is, is, is cool. It's a cool process and finding the way you, the process works. Like I just hammer out something like I wrote with that take five movie. I wrote the opening scene cause I had this, a lot of times I go on skis or bikes or hikes and I come up with ideas and I come home and I start writing them or, or texting them or emailing them to people. And my nephew was like, that is an awesome idea. And so I just wrote the opening scene. It was 10 pages. I PDF'd it to him. He's like, this is great. And then I just went for another hike. And then I just started writing and just started writing. And it just snowballed. I was on page 45. <laughs> and then I was on page 70. And then I was on page 90. And then, then I wrote a new ending. And then he's like, oh, this is great. So, yeah, it's, it's fun. It, 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 it gets you excited. Because you're sitting there with, by yourself in front of a computer. It can be done. And it is fun to do. And I, I've done, I do some of that. But I don't know. Life's short and just want to have as much fun. And I think writing with partners is fun. And I'm not really in it for the money or anything. And so if I can, if, if I can raise up someone else at the same time, if we can both be successful together, then that, that means just that's twice as good for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the script I wrote back in 2007 was with my friend Andrew. And I think we had a blast doing it. So I, I totally agree with you on, on everything you said. I mean, we, would, we would meet at a coffee shop. And I think we were meeting a lot like two two three times a week and you know after work we'd, we'd slide in the coffee shop and and then on the weekends you know we just sit in there for hours and just you know laugh chat write i mean it was it was a lot of fun and uh i definitely miss those times absolutely yeah i mean when my writing partner goes away to uh because when i was trips i you know kind of miss his winter visit but you know it's exciting it's fun he, whenever he comes out we have a good good time together for sure you guys have to try a uh, virtual writing session. It probably will have nothing like the real thing and be horrible. <laughs> but uh, well, you know, we uh, we've done what we do. One one of the ways I work it is a Google document where we both can work on it at the same time. And so gotcha. well, that's what me and my nephew were doing. Actually, we we're working on the document together. And he was like, uh, he uses a different color font, and so it's great. You can just see what their ideas in real time. It's almost like a. So like, yeah, we wrote, we write an outline and then we start talking about the outline back and forth. And then you can just erase what you write right there after you come up with the idea. So it's like, there's a million different ways to approach it. It's so fun. Yeah. Now, are you guys actually talking on the phone too when you're doing this or is it just on the uh, the Google Doc? Uh, through text, email, and the Google Doc. Gotcha. We, uh, I don't think we talked on phone once actually. Uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Because I, I just would have assumed you would have had a speakerphone on or something, but or FaceTime or whatever equivalent there is. I, me and my other writing partner Jim have done a little bit of that, but no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't do any of that with my re- most recent one. That's pretty funny. I should That's have, awesome. have. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Vinny, what, one question I like to ask every single guest I have on here, and uh, I didn't give you much warning on this one, so uh, apologies in advance. But uh, what question am I not asking you that I should be asking you? I think, you know, you might ask me, like, why do you do it, the writing? I don't know. Maybe that or or what What? What do you, are you prepared if the script goes nowhere? That kind of, <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. 
Yeah. So those um, sound great. So let's answer, let's answer uh, the first one. Why, why do you do it? Well, I think it's, it's fun to try to tell a story and it's a, uh, it's fun to be creative and it's also a challenge. And so I like all those things. And, and then I what like about the, uh, the other wonders. one? If you, uh, if it doesn't go anywhere, then I have thought if it does not go anywhere, um, I will keep writing and keep having fun telling these stories and keep entering contests and um, maybe do a, a, an edit, another edit on Copper Kings to see what it does to make it better, you know? And if it doesn't go anywhere, I'm still living my awesome life yeah. in the mountains with my awesome wife and my all my awesome musician friends that are I'm so lucky to play with. And I have a great job here at the store that respects me and likes my work ethic and and I get to just live that life that's right. going on right now. And like, I, it's like all my whole life is pretty much is the bonus round because my hand surgeon said I would never play drums again. Um, he, he died at that two wrist operations and he was like, you're never going to play drums again. So I, and I don't even, I didn't ever plan on it right now. I'm playing jazz and funk and in these great bands and everything. And it's so, my life's bonus round. I'm very lucky. So that's a great happens, way to look at it, man. That's awesome. Bonus round. I like that. Yeah. It's just icing on the cake, man. I never expected to do any of this stuff that I'm doing right now. So if it goes, no, it, it doesn't, the writing doesn't go anywhere and then it's no big deal to me. I'm just, uh, I had fun the whole time and I learned a lot because I feel like a master of the 1890s right now. <laughs> so it's like, I, I've got myself some fucking, I would call them some honorary degrees that I've created in history. Now, are you, are you prepared for what would happen if it did succeed? I have thought about that. Um, you know, and it, if it did get, my career did get really good uh, and blow up. It'd be hard to be in all these bands. That's for sure. Um, but I'll do my best to keep playing. Luckily I have some really awesome music partners I've been playing with for like 15 years that are excited for me to have this going on. Um, and would you maintain your, your residence in Montana if you, if you were big time? Oh yeah, absolutely. I would just be traveling more. I'd probably be traveling to Butte more because we'd probably want to shoot in Butte. Mm -hmm. We want to, the film, Montana just film, film, pass these film credits uh, and tax incentives to encourage production back in the state. <clears throat> you know, like when River runs through it and Legends of the Fall film back here in the 80s and 90s and all that stuff. There's a lot, a lot of Montana productions. Gotcha. The tax credit kind of fell through. That's why you saw a lot of like stuff being made in Louisiana, Georgia, North Carolina, Alberta, even mm -hmm. Utah. Like stuff filmed in says as the Montana's it filmed in Utah, like the Yellowstone show. Most of it, at least. Um, so yeah, we're trying to encourage production in the state. So I, I see myself traveling back and forth to Butte if it would all work out. Then that'd be like a four and a half hour drive, which is not a big deal. I, I don't mind drive, being on the road. Um, and if it got real big and I had to make flights to LA, that's a, that sounds great because my brother lives in SoCal and I have some friends down there, so I'd be great to see them. But yeah, yeah. I mean, if it, I've imagined it in my grandeur, you know. But if it doesn't, it doesn't, and I'm all, I'm equipped mentally prepared for anything that happens because I have a great life no matter what, and I'm very thankful. Yeah, I mean that's an awesome, healthy attitude to have. Uh, one of my previous podcast episodes, I talked about. I made a um, iPhone app a couple of years back that got into the top 10 on the app store, which um, when I made wow. the app, I was sitting there, you know, doing it and, and thinking about it. And, and I, I had a feeling that it, it had potential, 
but then, you know, you always have that fear like, oh, this might be like all the other ones where it doesn't go anywhere and nothing's going to happen. But, uh, you know, I wanted, I wanted to prepare myself mentally. I didn't want to have like super expectations, right? Cause then I'd be disappointed. But then I also wanted to have a mindset around it. Well, let's plan for success, but be okay with failure. Um, I know sometimes right. people plan for failure and are great with success, but I wanted to plan for success. I didn't want to sabotage myself. So like, as an example, one of the things I had to do was run advertisements to get people to download the app and that costs money. So I went and just got a brand new credit card because I, I described it as I wanted to have a lot of runway to spend money because the way that typically works is let's say you spend a dollar, you might make $3. And right. if, I, if I gave you a magical machine where you could put in a dollar and get $3 out and I ask, what would you do? Well, I would pump every dollar I possibly could find into the machine, right? Put right. in a dollar, yeah. get three out. So I, I, I got a new credit card and I said, this is my runway. If this thing starts working, I'm just going to start spinning like a madman because wow. I know, you know, so I, I did that for a couple of weeks. You know, it had a, it had a very short run, but it was uh, planning for success. I mean, that's kind of, you know, what you're saying, like you visualized it, you're, you're okay with it. And, but you're also okay with disappointment too. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. That's life's full of disappointment. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm still, I'm still in love with the thing you said about the bonus round. I mean, that's, that's kind of cool. You know, I didn't expect to be here today, so it's bonus round. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's total bonus round, man. Uh, I'm just, I've actually had some close life threatening experiences on the river too. And so I feel very thankful to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vinny, I super appreciate you coming on. It's, it's been fantastic. It's been a, a fun interview. So thank you for that. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. I appreciate you taking the time to ask all these awesome questions. Wow. What a cool dude. Hey, if you know anyone else that's cool and needs to be on the show, let me know. Send me an email at paxton at skate925.online. Thank you so much. I appreciate you for listening and I'll catch you next time.